All right, everybody, and welcome back to Moving the Needle with Jason Redmond, the show that is laser focused on helping individuals to move past the adversity they have in their lives, to be a leader of themselves, and to constantly, relentlessly be pushing forward, moving that needle, and just making a difference, not only in their lives, but in the lives of the people around them. And guys, it is my honor. We always have amazing guests. Today is no different. This individual is truly a needle mover. I'm really excited because this guest has really, he is a rags to riches story. He is an individual that has made himself, and guys, you probably recognize this individual as the star of the Discovery Channel show, undercover billionaire. He is the host of the podcast, Grit Happens. He is a uber successful self-made businessman, but you're going to get to hear a different side of my guest, Glenn Stearns. He's known for helping entrepreneurs and his awesomely optimistic attitude, but he has overcome a lifetime of adversity to get to where he is today. He has battled dyslexia. He has battled cancer. He was born to alcoholic parents graduated high school in the bottom 10% of his class, yet he never let it stop him from driving forward, identify his goals, moving that needle, and finding his success. Today, it is my honor to bring on the Moving the Needle show, entrepreneur, businessman, successful needle mover, TV star, Mr. Glenn Stearns. Welcome to Moving the Needle. I'm known for my big intros. You like it? (laughs) I like it. It's kind of pathetic that first part, but I like the, I like it. <laughs> so, hey, no, man, you, uh, you've done it. There's so many people out there that struggle. Um, and, and I feel like for so many people, we're becoming a, a I'll be honest, a, 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 there's a lot of people that'll just settle on their excuses. And I often talk about the concept of getting off the X. The X being the point of attack, point of crisis, point of adversity. And there's a lot of people that will sit on that X and allow it to become the excuse to never do anything else in their life. And they just sit there waiting for someone else to come save them. And you literally have crushed that notion. And I think most successful people, most needle movers have done the same. You... you literally could have every excuse in the world. You had a hard childhood, struggled in school, lived in a home with alcoholism. Tell me how that early adversity shaped you and who you are and how you actually able to continue to drive forward. What was within you that said, I'm not going to allow these things to define me? Well, it's funny, Jason. First, um, I'll tell you, when I sit with a lot of young people that have been through a lot of adversity, I tell them the same thing, that it, that they can either allow their past to define them and they can go off to become a victim or they can use it as fuel, right? To get to a place that shows their story and how far they've come. And it's really a mindset, I think, and, and, and able to, you have to decide you want to rise above it or you want to just wallow in it. And either way, you know, whatever way you go, you're going to find success, right? You're either going to be, you know, in jail or you're going to be something that you're going to inspire other people. And it's up to you to get out of that or get into that, whatever way you want to look at it. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I started off in a rather, um, you know, interesting life. I mean, my parents were, you know, very um, working class people. My mom cleaned houses and she worked as a grocery checker. My dad was a printer. You know, he worked the 
graveyard shift and we were in an apartment and, you know, I mean, but it's not like millions and millions of other people out there. You, you, you know, you, you live in your environment and I had, um, uh, yeah, I, I struggled with some, you know, dyslexia and other things like that. I failed the fourth grade. Um, so if, if you're ever going to hold your kid back, hold them back in kindergarten where they won't remember, but fourth grade, you know, you're a dummy at that age. Right. You know, so, uh, but then by the time I made it to eighth grade, um, I had a child. So, um, you know, I was, um, a father at 14 and then, um, you know, I, I just, yeah, I, I struggled a little bit with uh, life in the in the beginning, not knowing what to do, not having a lot of great examples or mentors in my life, I guess you could say. So it was, but you know, you only know what you know, right? You live in your world, and you know, you don't really know that that there's a lot of differences out there when you're growing up, and a lot of opportunities. And and man, you could have easily just settled. I mean, you talk about you know, at four, if you fail fourth grade, I mean, you know that you're. Or you feel, let's, let's, let's make sure we define that. You feel like you're a failure. It's not that you know. People will try and convince themselves. At a young age, when these things happen to you, did you already have this inner fire? I mean, you got hit with a lot of adversity at a young age. Did you already have this inner fire that said, hey, I'm going to drive forward? Or did you just kind of navigate along and these things started to develop as you got older? Um, did you have... Did you have anybody around you specifically? I mean, when you had to do fourth grade again, did you have any teachers? Did you have anybody that said, you know what, Glenn, you know what, you're going to you're going to do great. You're going to drive forward or or were you just kind of uh, alone in the wilderness as you went through this? Yeah, you know, and it's I was pretty much alone. And I say that not as feel sorry for me, but because I think there's millions of other people out there that go, well, I don't have that opportunity. I didn't get that chance. I didn't get, I didn't either. You know, I didn't have some just lottery ticket that came along. And, but I do remember, um, you know, a couple different times in my life where people said, you know what, you're a lot smarter than you think, or, you know, I think you're going to go a lot farther than you know. And when that happened, I, you know, I said, you know, I don't believe that stop, but something in deep inside me said, I hope I want to prove them right. You know? And so there were maybe two times that people planted seeds that I wanted to prove that to them that they were right. And, um, but I will tell you one thing that was really weird that happened to me that, you know, in today's world, you'd probably go to jail for this, but, um, but I find it as one of the turning points in my life. I was in eighth grade. I had um, had the girl was pregnant that, um, her name is Kathy and I was in a severe depression. I, you know, I had the little eighth grade girls coming into my class saying, my mom and dad said, I'm not allowed to talk to you anymore. Little things like that, that you look back on a big deal, but not when you're in eighth grade, you know, it crushes you. Right. You know? And so those kind of things were happening and I would get in trouble. Like, like most kids and always end up in detention. Well, I had detention on a Saturday and it was with Mr. Well, I forget who it was. I won't tell you. It doesn't matter because, um, but what happened was these two teachers had, I had detention and it was Saturday. And of course, you know, you don't want to go in on your Saturday, but I did. 
And I come to find out I'm the only one in detention on that Saturday, which is weird. And um, so I'm in there, I'm in my, you know, slump and they come, the two teachers, and they say, come with us. And they take me to Shakey's Pizza and we go there and they get a pitcher of beer. They pour me a beer and them a beer. And then they say, hey, you're a man now. Everything's going to be fine. You're going to get through this. And you know what? It was, again, that's why I say you probably go to jail for doing that today. But you know what? It was the right thing for me at that time. You know, it yeah. was two men that said, you're going to be okay. My father said I'd be okay as well, by the way. And, and I, you know, it just completely shifted my mindset. It gave me some inspiration, you know, and and so you never know where it'll come from and if it's in the right setting or not. But, you know, if you decide you're going to latch onto it and use it as a, you know, a safety or, or a life preserver, which I did, you know, I said, man, I gonna this is going to help me get out of my hole. Um, and it did, you know, it gave me some hope. And so um, I'm really grateful for that moment, which is, you know, I look back on it. Man, that, that that's a great story. And it, it um, gosh, it's so powerful, too, that just because two people went out of their way and, and I've had moments like this in my life. I mean, I have a, a very pivotal moment in my life where my career could have ended. And I had if I had a leader who could have just said, you know what, I don't want to put up with or I don't want to deal with this. So and let me get out of the Navy. And that would have been the end of my career from some mistakes I made. I talk a lot about that story in the book. But he didn't. He decided to invest in me no different than those guys did. I'm, I'm jumping ahead a little bit because I know for you now mentorship has become such a big part of who you are. Like you look for opportunities to mentor, you look for ways to help people. Is that, and are there other opportunities along the way where people just took the time to say, I'm going to invest in this guy. Um, I, I, I'm so big on the power of positivity. I'm so big on the power of planting those seeds of hope. I talk about be the light in the darkness. Those guys were the light in the darkness for you. Is that what really planted the seeds? And now you're so passionate about trying to help and mentor others. Yeah. You know, and, and I talk about, I said only two other times and I remember very well, again, I was at that funk with having this depression of what's going to happen in my life. You know, I'm 14, I'm having a baby. And, um, I had another gentleman come to me and, and pull me aside at the roller rink and, uh, said, you know what? You're a leader. There's something about you, Glenn. And one day you're going to go off and do great things. And I was really embarrassed. And I said, stop, you know, and, but I liked what he said, but I was too embarrassed and I didn't know how to take it in because I didn't feel that way about myself, you know? And, and then when I went to college, which I went to college, you know, to be real honest again, because a lot of people, I think they think, wow, those people are so driven and, and I'm not, I wasn't driven. I went there because my girlfriend went to college. So I chased her. Right. And so sometimes you find yourself in a, in a good place by accident and that's okay too, you know, and it doesn't have to be so methodical. And because I don't know that anything in my life at those times were, you know, it just, I latched on luckily to the, the better things than the, than the, you know, going downhill. And I was in college and um, we started a fraternity. And again, the kind of grand poobah guy that was a national guy, he, he, uh, we had all the pledges out there and he says, let's talk about someone that we admire. 
can be the president of the United States, whoever it is. And but why do you admire him? And he says, I'll start. And he says, I admire Glenn. And let me tell you why. And then he went on to say some really nice things. And and I thought, wow, like no one's ever said that. And then they said it in front of a lot of people. And again, I said, oh, come on, stop, stop. But I was really proud of that moment. And I said, I want to, you know, do better. I want these young pledges and people to look up to me. And it's those little things started to move my needle, right? Started to get me to realize I want to um, do better than the average person. And it was just small, small things that, you know, and so to your point, I now go out, uh, I'm in a group called Horatio Alger. It's the most amazing group of, um, of people that are, you know, in the United States, there's about 10 Horatio Algers each year that get in. And it's done in the Supreme Court. Justice Clarence Thomas puts the medallion on. It's for a couple day long event. Um, I mean, from everyone from Ronald Reagan to Condoleezza Rice to Colin Powell and Oprah, a lot of people have been inducted into this. And um, but it's about giving back to these young men and women that have been through severe adversity. We give three thousand scholarships a year out to people that have decided they're going to use education as their way out. They're not going to become the victim, right? They're going to be the victor, as as we say. And um, and so planting those seeds in those people, you know, it's so critical. And and I realize that as you do, it's very, very important. Yeah. I mean, I try to, I, I love it because it really, at the end of the day, I try and tell people that the most powerful thing you have in this life as a human is you have a choice. You can choose how you're going to deal with adversity. You can lay there and convince yourself because, you know, wherever I came from, Democrat, de- demographics or circumstances that I'm stuck and I can't drive forward, or you can choose to drive forward and figure out a way. And, you know, you're a great example and there's so many others that are out there. So, um, phenomenal. You and I have something in common. Uh, you, you left college and you went to California and, uh, you started waiting tables. So I actually waited tables for a few years of my life, uh, learned a lot about, um, interacting with people. And uh, I'll never forget, I worked at a Shoney's restaurant the first time I ever got a $100 tip as a 16-year-old kid. Man, I thought I was rich. But uh, talk to me about that time, because you'd graduated college, you'd driven forward, uh, but obviously you hadn't quite lit the spark yet for entrepreneurship. But I think this was right about the time that you started to move down that road. Where did things start to turn for you that made you decide, you know, obviously seeds have been planted for you, but you went to California, you're waiting tables. When did that, that light bulb suddenly go from a little dim spark all of a sudden to the spotlight? Yeah. So I, um, you're right. I, I was, well, Again, I'll go back for a second real quick. I was in college. It was, I graduated and I was, by the way, I was falling into the same routine that most of my family had fallen into. I was hitting the bars every night. I mean, every night I was going out and just into a rut of, you know, what I thought was really fun. I was with a lot of my friends and we'd go out every single night. And one night, I had already graduated. I I was laughing hysterically at something stupid that happened. My friend fell or he got a drink thrown on him. I don't remember that part. 
but we were all laughing. And as I laughed and tilted my head back, I, it just hit me. Like I laughed at the same stupid stuff last night and the night before and the night, like this is old. I don't want to live in this world anymore. And I just remember in the middle of a fog, I had complete clarity, which is really bizarre. And <clears throat> so the next day I got uh, to my, with my friend and I said, Hey, you know what? Why don't we go out to California? Let's drive out, you know, and see what it's like. And he says, when I said, I'm ready to go now. And then two days later we left and we drove to California and, um, we slept on the floor. There were five. We, we knew one guy in Costa Mesa and then he had four other guys that were, um, in his one bedroom. That you know you're young, right? And so we slept there too. I slept in the kitchen, and um, I mean, you know, you just you're, you know, you just lay down at the, you know, and have your little, whatever. And um, and I did that for about five days, and then I knew a girl who also happened to live around. She was my boss when I was a wait waiter back in Maryland, and uh, she happened to be living out right near there in Corona del Mar, which is a block away from the ocean. So she said, come stay with me one night. Don't sleep on the floor. So I did. And um, the next morning she'd gone to work and I, and I walked out, found myself um, sitting on a bench overlooking the Pacific Ocean, million dollar houses, beautiful cars, beautiful people. You know, though this was it, right? Like, wow. And I thought, I want this life. I want to make something of myself. I, I don't want to live the way my parents had lived and a lot of other people. And, and not that they lived bad. They, you know, they were very hard working class people, but <clears throat> I wanted this life that was right around me. So I walked up to this man. He was in his yard and he was trimming his bushes. And I said, what did it take to get this place? I, I know I can do it. Like, what did it take? And the guy's like, senor, I'm the gardener. <laughs> I have no idea. He says, I think the man's in real estate. I said, real estate. Hmm. Okay. I'm going to do that. Right. And then, so I went back where all my friends were and my, my one friend I drove out with said, Hey, let's start heading back. And I said, you know what? I think I'm going to stay. He's like, what? I said, I think I'm going to stay. And, um, so I did, and I got a job as a waiter right then. And I began to you know, work as a waiter and try to figure out what can I do? You know, I got a degree in economics. I had no idea what I'm going to do with that, but what can I do? And then I ended up as a loan officer and a waiter, you know, and I worked that for 10 months. And then by weird luck, I started my own company, but not because I was driven again, but because another guy believed in me, he was a realtor. And he said, Hey, let's start a company ourselves. It doesn't, take much to be a broker. And he had the money. His parents had the money. So I, I went in with him and I was still a waiter. I waited tables for two more years. I had my own company, but at night I'd go in and wait tables. <clears throat> and I did that and, and I enjoyed it. But then as I grew that business and started to understand what I was really doing, which again was a complete crazy adventure because it wasn't predictable and it wasn't thought out as much as it should have been. Um, it began to work. And eight years later I bought him out and then off we kind of went. You know? I, so I want to, I want to step back cause there's a really interesting nugget here that I want to talk about. 
and you said through uh, weird luck, this individual, A, saw some potential in you and obviously said, hey, man, why don't me and you together go do this business? Right. And, wh- and I want to bring this up because I think there's so many people in life that are presented with unique opportunities like this. But we don't go after them because we're afraid. We're afraid, oh, I don't have the ability. It's a fear of the unknown. It's a fear of leaving our comfort zone. Oh, well, right now I'm bringing in some money from waiting tables and I'm bringing in some money from my current job. Like, oh, you really want me to go out in the unknown? That's a big risk. And there's so many people out there that are unwilling to take those risks. And instead, it just becomes this what if that as the years go by, they look back and they go, man, what if I had done that? I, you know, what if? What made you decide that, hey, you know what? I'm going to do this. You, up to this point in your life, aside from just leaving and going to California, you know, you hadn't established this big trend of bucking the system, if you will. Uh, yet you decided, hey, I'm going to do this. What was that? And, and is there advice you have for anyone out there when these opportunities come along on how to decide to seize them? Right. Um, I'll take this and go all the way back to when I was about five or six years old. My mom would get us in the car and my sister and I, she was about three and, and I was about five or six, like I said, and she would say, come on, kids, we're going to get lost. And we drive in the car we just drive and drive and drive until we came to these farms and way out in the middle of nowhere. And she'd pull over and go, Oh no, guess what? And we'd say we're lost, you know, and we would be so excited to get lost. And then it was about finding our way back home. I think you got to go right. No, no, go down here, go left. And so what happened, I think that planted a seed in my, my self, or it kind of changed my DNA a little bit that where Instead of looking at being lost as something to fear, I looked at it with excitement. I want to go to a place where I don't, I want to know what's around the corner. I can't wait. Instead of something around the corner is going to run me over, right? Like there's a mindset that's different. I enjoy not, I enjoy being lost. I enjoy not having a roadmap. I like it. And that is absolutely a mindset. Right. Because to your point, you're either in fear. I can't. I've got something pretty good. Why am I going to ruin this instead of, you know, who? what if it doesn't work? If it's so what if it doesn't work? You learn a lot. if It doesn't work. So I never held on to the fact that I have something too good to lose. It's like, why not go after a new adventure? And if it doesn't work, I'll always go back and try to do what I did before or whatever, which I've never gone back, by the way. I've always moved forward. But you, why not try it? What do you have to lose, right? And I mean, my son, when he was five years old, he had an opportunity to sit up on um, uh, at, at SeaWorld, whatever the name of that the killer whale is, Shamu. They said, hey, who, what, you know, who wants to come? And they picked him. And he got really afraid and he didn't want to do it. And uh, after another kid ended up doing it, he says, I want to do it. And it was, he missed his window. It was closed. And he was so upset for years. Like, I wish I, you know, and you don't want to miss your opportunity to sit on Shamu, right? To jump on it, you know? And, and um, you know, it's just one of those things that I never in my life wanted to have those regrets. I wanted to see what was out there. 
That's so, I love it. It's so great. You know, it brings all new, you know, the old phrase, I mean, insults, we've gotten pretty, we've gotten pretty low in the gutter with insults, lady, but it, lately, you know, in this day and age, uh, especially with social media, but it takes me back to the old insult of get lost. And like, yeah. you turn it into this positive thing, like, yes, thank you, I will, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to explore the unknown. And uh, I love that. I, I have a sense of adventure. I'm the same way. So I just think that's awesome. So for all of you out there that are listening, Glenn Stearns is living proof. Go get lost. Go go get go lost. chart the unknown and figure out where to go. So you took that opportunity and you turned um, uh, Stearns Lending into the number one wholesale lender. So what was the secret to that growth and success? Because you, you, you admittedly, you, um, you admit that, you know, we didn't really have the best plan in the beginning, but obviously, and I think a lot of businesses are like that. I know I'm guilty of my businesses. Um, you know, we, we probably in the beginning had a, um, <laughs> a fire ready aim approach. And now as I get older, we're trying to, you know, ready, aim, fire. Where did you guys make that switch and where did you enable that growth and success? So, you know, I think there's absolutely nothing wrong with, um, you know, going out and when you're young, doing the uh, ready, fire, aim or whatever, right? Because you, you, you don't have a lot to lose. And the fact is you're learning. You, you can't, what I found is so many people, they want to have it perfect. So they plan and plan and plan and plan. And by the time they've got to the end of their plan, they've missed the opportunity, right? You can't do that. You have to learn, jump in. Now that we've, I mean, I've gotten what I'm 56 years old. I have a lot of, you know, time under my belt. I can plan a lot better because I know what to do. I know how to put the team together. I understand a lot of the pitfalls. But back then you have to learn them. You have to learn them. That's part of the the process. And I think when, you know, I started out, it was a lot of just trial by fire. And and that's okay. Again, I don't, I don't, I think the problem with a lot of um the fear with a lot of people is that they need to come across as perfect or strong. And when you admit your faults, then you admit you're weak and you admit you're this person that is, you know, not this big, huge success. I don't agree with that at all. I absolutely think it's fine to admit your faults. It's fine to admit your weaknesses because people can come. You can find the right people to strengthen you in the places that you're not strong in. And so, you know, there's so many people that are afraid to, um, just to, 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 to show any weakness. And so for whatever reason, and I think it might've had to do with failing fourth grade. It might've had to do with having a child at eight at 14. When I, I didn't have an opportunity to hide my weaknesses. They were out there in plain sight. And what I did is I got people that were good people that came around me to say, it's going to be okay. And so, you know, when you do show those weaknesses, it's you can get strength by people, you know, instead of having to know all the answers, you can say, you know, I don't really know that answer. You know, that's actually shows your confidence that you'll get the answer. Right. It doesn't show the weakness that you don't know the answer. Better not to screw it up and make it up. You know, it's just tell the tell, tell the facts that, you know, you'll figure it out. 
And so I think that's been a part of, again, that whole thing with me of just trying to um, go out there, do the best I can and be straightforward with people. Hey, we'll figure it out together. You know, we'll get there. What are you good at that I'm not, you know? Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, definitely, uh, I learned a lot about that in the SEAL teams. I mean, we had guys that brought all kinds of different strengths to the equation. It was all of us together that, you know, enabled us to be very successful. You know, overlapping strengths that, you know, gave us this 360 degree ability to do things. And business is no different. I'm trying to build it in mind. So, uh, all right, well, we've got a lot of great uh, content so far, Glenn. Uh, I just, uh, as I always do on the Moving the Needle show, we're going to take a break. I'm going to go in. I'm going to dissect a lot of what you've talked about, and I'm going to get deep into many of the different things on how we move the needle, how we lead ourselves, how we deal with adversity. I love this idea of seizing opportunity and getting lost. So we're going to take a quick break. We want to uh, recognize our sponsor, Bubs Naturals, and we'll be right back. Today's show is brought to you by Bubs Natural, producers of the best collagen protein on the planet. How do I know? Well, I use it myself, and I am super stoked they partnered with us on our Moving the Needle show. Guys, life is about moving the needle, and Bubs is about moving the needle in your life. The reality is we're all slowly dying, and only through working out, good sleep, and good nutrition can we slow that aging process. And if you're like me, You've had a few crashes and collisions along the way. That's why I added Bubs to my morning routine. My JR Overcome Coffee has one scoop of Bubs Collagen and one scoop of Bubs MCT oil to get me going and to take care of my joints like my damaged elbow. As many of you know, in order to move the needle, you've got to be a point man for your life, setting the example, leading, building discipline and structure. Glenn Bub Doherty did this in his life, and Bubs Naturals is honoring Glenn. You may recognize his name because Glenn was a former SEAL and he was on the rooftop in Benghazi sacrificing his life. So Bubs is sacrificing by giving 10% of their profits back to charities. So guys, if you want to support a great company and if you want to support yourself, get 20% off your first order when you use promo code POINTMAN20 at BUBSNaturals.com. That's 20% off with promo code POINTMAN20 at BUBSNaturals.com. All right, guys, we've had an awesome interview right out of the gates with Glenn Stearns, the host of Undercover Billionaire and a guy who has just been super successful. And man, there's so many nuggets. I've been going through this interview, just listening to everything that Glenn talks about. And guys, you talk about somebody that has achieved high levels of success and who has just been hit by adversity and really has come from nothing. And I love this. I mean, he is the icon. He's such a shining example of the American dream. And I am such a big fan of the rags to riches stories. I meet so many people who try and define themselves and say, oh, I came from this, you know, I'm this demographic. I was born in this neighborhood. Nobody in my family ever went to college. And they just, they settle. So many people out there settle for those excuses and, and Glenn Stearns is no different. He could have been one of those that settled. He could have said, you know, I've got alcoholic parents. We never had much, bounced around, had problems, learning disability. You know, he had people tell him, you know, in fourth grade, you know, you're a dummy. And, uh, and you know, so many people just accept that. 
they accept that and they say, you know what? They're right. You know, that's who I am. I'm a dummy. I'm the wrong race, creed, color. I was born in the wrong neighborhood. I don't have the same opportunities as everybody else. That is a lie. That is a lie you're telling telling yourself. So don't settle for those excuses, guys. You have got to drive forward. Glenn drove forward and he made things happen. And here's a big thing you need to understand. It doesn't happen immediately. So many we live in this day and age of instant gratification. Anything you want is pretty much at your fingertips. I mean, Amazon has changed the game. <laughs> I mean, the days of waiting to get something are almost gone. I mean, we are down to uh you could actually order something online and have it delivered to your house in hours now, not days, not weeks, not months, hours. So it's given people this this instant gratification, this fast food world we live in. We all want it now, 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 now. You know, clicks and likes on social media. But you got to recognize success almost never happens overnight. It takes years of hard work. And I tell you what, it will never happen if you settle for those excuses. Always remember, guys, it is never too late. Your past does not define you. Wherever you came from, whatever neighborhood you grow up, grew up in, whatever color your skin is, whatever religion you are, whatever your sex is or, or how you identify, whatever it is, I don't care. At the end of the day, it is about you. And it's never too late to drive forward and start shaping who you want to be. You know, when he talked about the people called him a dummy and people talked about, you know, you're never going to achieve, you know, you're never going to get anywhere. You're a dummy. You're a failure. You know, people buy into that. They buy into those ideas and they accept them. And that becomes the inner narrative of their life. I call that the inner demon, the, the little voice that lives inside of us. I have it inside of me. And I got to tell you guys, when these things hit us, I call that a micro ambush. And, and here's the funny thing about micro ambush. I talk so much about ambushes because, you know, it's what I know and I know it's relatable. Everybody in life goes through life ambushes, but a lot of people don't know that I break ambushes into three categories. There's the major ambush that most people are familiar with. These are the majors. These are, these are health issues. These are the loss of a loved one. These are financial issues. These are, you know, sexual assaults. These are all the terrible, terrible things that crush us. These are the majors and they're the big ones. But then I talk about the minors. These are what I call schedule disruptions in your life. But I tell you what, I talk about the micros. And the micros are exactly what we are talking about. That is the inner demon, that little voice inside you. That is a micro ambush. And guys, those are the ambushes of the mind. And so often, they can be the most, aimed, the most dangerous ambushes of them all because they will place people on the X and they will accept that this is where I live. I live on this X. I am that failure. I am a dummy. I am only a woman. I am only gay or whatever it is. You know, people accept that that is who they are and they're never going to be able to get past that. But the reality is you have the power to get off that X. And that's what Glenn talked about. He didn't let it define him. He drove forward and slowly, but surely by grinding, by believing, by ignoring, you know, that little voice that said, you're a dummy, you're a failure, you'll never amount to anything. He got off that X and he achieved great success. So guys, never forget, it's never too late. Your past does not define you. The next thing when we're on this path, Glenn talked about, you know, people that helped him in his life. And, and this is such a powerful narrative. I love it because th there's two sides of this narrative. 
The one side is, man, we live in a day and age where I just think we're getting more and more hateful. We, we are able to hide behind social media and we just dish out hate like, <laughs> like it's going out of business, man. I mean, it doesn't matter. You know, people are just hateful. And, uh, you know, and I don't know, man, I have been on the side of war. I just, I don't think it's necessary, man. A little respect for human life, a little respect for human dignity and be nice, man. Help people out. You never know what someone's going through. And these individuals, these individuals that Glenn talked about, two teachers specifically, that's exactly what they did. So on one side, guys, there are people around you who are good people and they're willing to help you, but you know, you got to build it. You got to reach out. You've got to be a little vulnerable at times. And sometimes to recognize that people around you, they're having problems, the flip side of that coin, it may go a lot deeper. It's not that they're just a jerk or they're an asshole or, or they're intentionally trying to sabotage or make things hard for you. Who knows what's going on in the background? So take a step out of yourself and how someone you're working with is, is negatively creating a problem. I wouldn't be here if I had a leader that didn't believe in me and say, you know what, you know, Jay's a problem. He got himself in trouble. I could kick him out. Instead, he took a step back and he believed in me. And that's what Glenn talks about in this story. I love it. These two teachers, they took him out. They treated him like a man. He was getting himself in trouble. He was in detention for the day. And, uh, and they took him out and they talked to him like a man, a 13-year-old kid who had knocked a girl up, who for all intents and purposes was on the path of never going anywhere in his life. And they told him, you're going to be successful. They told him what he needed to hear. They invested in him. They planted seeds of success in him. And guys, we need to do the same thing. Take a step out. When, when your employees, when your team members, even when your kids do things wrong, tell them they're great. Tell them they're on the path. So what they messed up. We all mess up, man. Give them a great lesson. You know, his dad did the same thing. And I think this is so important. His dad was an alcoholic. His dad had a lot of flaws, but what a tremendous lesson as a parent. His dad told him, you're going to be okay. And guys, I see this a lot. So many parents focus on the negative. Praise and encourage your kids. Don't focus on the negative things. Focus on their strengths. I tell my kids they can be anything they want to be, and I encourage them to do that. Help them when they mess up. It's not your job to make perfect kids. It's not your job to be their best friend. It's your job to help them to be successful adults. And guess what? As an adult, we got to navigate that path. We got to mess up. We got to fail and fail hard, but then encourage them to get back up and tell them they're going to be okay. They're going to learn from it. They're going to become better, stronger adults. Those individuals who pulled Glenn aside and his dad who helped him, they told him he was going to be a leader. And that's a moment that Glenn never forgot throughout his entire life. The moment, you know, he talked about that moment when the head of the fraternity praised Glenn and said, man, I'm proud of you. There's something within you. So guys, invest in people. Look for the positive. And you know what? It's going to reap rewards for you because people are going to look for it in you. So there, there's so many, there were so many great nuggets in this. The last one I want to talk about, and I thought it was such an awesome story. Once again, Glenn's parents, for as flawed as they were, I think they really, truly loved their kids. I, I think they were flawed. Human beings are flawed. But he talked about the story of his mom and how his mom sometimes would just get all the kids in the car and she'd say, hey guys, we're going to go get lost. And they would drive four or five hours until they had no clue where they were going to be. And, uh, and I thought this was such a great story because he said it was so much fun. They would just explore and they would get out where they had no clue where they were. 
but they would find new things. And, and, you know, it created a sense of curiosity. It created this sense of adventure. And for that, Glenn carried with it, it with him for the rest of his life. He was not afraid of failure or uncertainty. And guys, I'll tell you, coming from the military, I think we try and do all we can to control things. And, and I think this is a maybe a little bit of flaw of mine because I want to be able to control things. I, I, I don't like uncertainty. Right now, as I record this, I've got some weird health issues going on. Uh, I had a doctor tell me the other day, I've had so many tests. I've been in and out of the hospital recently. And I had a doctor tell me, you know, you're, you're a medical mystery. And he goes, you know, hopefully the good news is you're not going to die fast from this. Uh, neither of those really helped because it just said, hey, there's a big level of uncertainty. And I don't like that. I'm, you know, as a military individual and working in my career, we had done all these things. But you know what? You got to control what you can. And that's what I talked about. And, and going back to what Glenn talked about, it's leaning into the uncertainty uh, and just embracing the journey. Maybe there's a reason why I'm going through these health things. Maybe God is trying to teach me a new lesson. So I, I'm leaning into it, and Glenn did it also. So be willing to give up control for the thrill of discovery and new adventure. That's a mindset, and it's a mindset that was planted in him. He talks about, so what if it doesn't work? You know what? You learn when things don't work, and that's such a big mindset. It's a mindset. It is the overcome mindset. It says, you know what? I'm going to get out there. I'm going to try. I'm not going to try and control everything. So this was such a great lesson. I'm going to incorporate this into my life you guys need to incorporate it into your life. As we were joking about in the story, get lost. Get lost in your business. Get lost in your relationship. Get lost in your life. You know, stop hanging on to everything with such control. There are new adventures out there. Don't be afraid of failure or uncertainty. Embrace it. Oh, man, so many good nuggets. All right, guys, we're going to jump in with Glenn Stearns, the host of Underco Undercover Billionaire. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Moving the Needle show. It is, uh, as always, it's a, I have amazing guests, and our guest today is the one and only undercover billionaire, Mr. Glenn Stern, successful businessman, and episode, or, uh, season two of Undercover Billionaire is getting ready to come out January 6th, right? That's right. January 6th, season two. Also, on the same day, we'll have Undercover Billionaire Comeback City, which I'll be a big part of that one, January 6th as well. And, uh, and not only will it be on Discovery, it'll be streaming on Discovery Plus, correct? That's right. Discovery Plus. I love it. So, well, guys, Glenn has already provided a whole bunch of content. Uh, in, in part one, we've talked about the past, where he came from. I love the, the rags to riches story. I meet so many... I meet so many individuals who, like, I don't know, have this idea that, you know, there's all these successful people that just were born with a silver spoon in their mouths. And I mean, I'll be honest, yes, there is a small percentage that sometimes that happens. But the reality is most really successful people, I know they busted their ass to get to where they are today. And Glenn is one of those people that's all we talked about in the beginning. But Glenn... The name of this podcast is Moving the Needle, and you have definitely done that in your life. What does that phrase move mean to you, that phrase, moving the needle? Well, I mean, you know, obviously, the first thing I think about is making a difference, right? And the old saying, too much is given, much is required. You know, so I was put into a situation, probably through my past and the adversity and all those things, to where I ended up being pretty successful with business. 
Um, you know, we had the largest HUD contracting company in the country, had the largest auditing company for HUD in the country. We had the largest wholesale lender in the country. Um, so a lot of different companies that did really well. And once I realized, wow, you know, there's some people that are looking out there going, I'd like to do that. I'd like, you know, and you see people wanting to, to try to reach that kind of level of success. There's a lot that you can do to show them that it's not just about, you know, being the, a, a, you know, leave destruction in your path, but it's about really being a good citizen, a good human being. And so there's been a lot of things that we've done by reinvesting in the company, by helping a lot with philanthropy, by giving back to people that need it so that you can see that there is a lot that goes along with what I feel success is, which is when people look at you, you say, All right, who is it that you want to be? Because it's not just be a great business person, but then it's about helping your community, right? It's about making a difference in people's lives. And, and you talk about that, how you've achieved this level of success in business. Everybody has a different lens. Everybody's perspective is different. But what would you say as you're grooming young entrepreneurs, as you're mentoring people, what would you say is the single greatest trait to be successful in business? Can you define that? Um, I would say the, probably the single greatest trait would be resilience. You know, that you have to be able to bounce back and you have to be able to adjust and, you know, and, and keep a positive attitude. There's going to be a lot of setbacks in your life and you're going to have to be able to take that and turn it around and not let it beat you down. So if you can continue to, because you don't do it by yourself, you have an army of people, hopefully, if you're going to be truly successful, there are others that are with you and you need to keep them positive as well. You being in a, in this, in with the seals, you know, that, you know, when you get, you know, you got to have all of you working together as a team. And so you got to be the leader. You got to have that mindset to keep other people positive and to keep growing and, and, and going through the, the pain because there's going to there's always pain. It's just part of the process. Yeah, it is an unfortunate part of being human. And uh, that's definitely my biggest focus is on how, you know, teaching people how do we lead ourselves out of those situations. Oftentimes, if you listen to me, know I talk a lot about um, how I survived an enemy ambush and the point of any attack, we call that the X. We touched on that a little bit. And I now relate that to the fact that even though I survived an enemy ambush, everybody gets ambushed in life. You know, it may not be the bullets and bombs on a battlefield, but it's the bullets and bombs of life, whether it's a business ambush, whether it's a health ambush. I know that you had a big health ambush uh, and, and in the form of cancer. And it's an interesting, I, I want to ask you this question because for me, my, my physic, the physical injuries I sustained in my enemy ambush to get shot eight times and four years of surgeries and to get put back together, there's a lot of people that automatically assume that was the worst ambush I've ever been in my life, you know, for life ambush. But it's actually not. It was a leadership failure that I had. And that was the hardest road I've ever climbed out of. As a matter of fact, the leadership failure set me up for success for that physical ambush, you know, the physical injuries. So my question was, cancer, the biggest life ambush you sustained, 
And and what were your thoughts when they said, hey, Glenn, you've got cancer? Uh, or was there a bigger life ambush you've sustained? And and how did all that play out? And how did you drive, drive forward? Well, you know, it's it's interesting because in my whole life, I've had these moments where I thought, man, maybe I am something special. And every time that has come up, I've been knocked back down to reality, which I, which I'm very grateful for, by the way, because I think the minute we think we're better than anyone else is a bad place to be. Okay. And so whenever I've gotten this Uber confidence, um, I've been ambushed and, um, and I'm grateful for it. Like I said, so when I started really doing well with business and, and, was at the top of my game as, you know, I was thinking there was, you know, I started thinking unhealthy thoughts, right? Like I said, where maybe I am that good. And, um, and then comes cancer. And the minute that happened, I mean, literally, I remember the second they told me, like, you know, how you can, I could see my hands right here. I couldn't. All of a sudden, it closed to a tiny little straw. I couldn't see anything but this tiny. And, and um, the only thing I thought about at the time were my kids, right? And I thought I had little, little ones at the time. This was six, seven years ago. And um, I thought, I can't leave these kids without a dad, you know? And, and that was it all the business stuff, all the thinking you're, you know, you're the hot crap, whatever. It didn't matter because it wasn't true, you know? And so, yeah, it was a, it was more about my children and it was more about, you know, it, it was, it was a wonderful moment of clarity of realizing what was important in my life and all the other stuff wasn't. And so that, that, took all that other stuff away and also humbled me to realize that none of that at all had, could help me get out of the spot I was in at the time, you know? Yeah, it's so true. I mean, it is amazing. Um, our health is so critical and it is the equal time and our health are the two equalizers across the world. Um, you know, no amount of money can buy you more time and no amount of money can you know, fix you. I mean, obviously, hopefully great doctors. I mean, there are differences in there. But yeah, we all get brought down to the most basic level. And that's, uh, and it's scary when you're going through it. And uh, I, I feel it when I lay there getting all shot up. It was my family I thought about in those moments. I, I love what you said, though, I read an article. And it's so funny, because I feel a little bit, uh, I looked at mine in a similar vein, only from a military viewpoint, you said, I looked at cancer kind of like business and, and you looked at the risk, getting to know it, understanding it as almost a competitor. And, and how do I drive forward and beat it and lay out this, this plan? And that's how you execute it. I looked at my medical injuries as like SEAL training, like, okay, these are all the things that you're going to go through and it's going to be hard and it's going to be uncomfortable. You just have to get to the other side. How did you um, lay out that path? And I know that you even when you were recording Undercover Billionaire, you were going through some of those treatments and having to navigate that. Um, how, how did you lay out that path and how did you stay that course? Well, you know, I, I, I think when I set out, I said, OK, what is the best treatment 
And I found that here's some Western medicine that says do these certain things according to the best doctor. And then there's Eastern medicine that says do this stuff. And then there's, you know, so I cut, luckily I had a lot of input from a lot of people that said what to do. So, you know, there's some people out there that just say, you know, I'm going to do this healthy. I'm going to cut out sugar. I'm going to whatever. I said, you know what? I'm going to do all the Western medicine, everything I'm supposed to do. Then I'm going to go and I'm going to do the acupuncture and I'm going to pray to, you know, Mecca and I'm going to stand on one foot and hop in a circle. I'm going to do it all. Okay. I mean, because now I, I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do with the doctors that tell me what to do. But then all the other things that everybody else tells me is good to do. If it helps my mind, because I'm not sure hopping in a circle is going to really help me. But if that strengthens my mind, because I think that is one of the best tools we have, then I'm going to do it, right? Because I'll keep up with the medicine and I'll keep as strong as I can so I can take the chemotherapy and the radiation and all those things, right? But I need my mind strong too. So go ahead and, you know, and, and do what you need to do on that end of it as well, as far as that's how I looked at it you know, is I'm going to attack this, as you said, but with all the tools, not just think, you know, I'm going to, and by the way, I know a lot of people that have decided, (coughs) excuse me, I know a lot of people that have decided they need to investigate. And this is like building a business. They're going to investigate it until they get it exactly what is the number one best thing. And that's going to take them two years to figure it out. So many people that wait all that time and they say, this is what I need to do. The cancer has grown throughout their body. I'm going to attack it immediately as fast as I can. So, and it's like business. If you wait for two years as you're building out the best plan, you might miss that window. So I just go for it and then try to figure it all out at the same time. A lot of the, you know, as far as, you know, that plan sometimes is there your best plan. But when you wait, And when you allow time to go under your, you know, and and all this, you know, uh, change can come along, you're going to miss it. And especially with cancer, I was not about to sit there and let it grow in my body, you know, anymore. I I, I call that the, uh, it's the last concept of getting off the act. So many people, you know, I have a whole, it's called the REACT methodology, but T stands for take action. Movement is life. The faster you figure it out. So I love that you bring that up. Yeah, because you're absolutely right. So many people are waiting for the perfect moment and it's never going to come. You're only losing time. And the longer you sit, I, I, I say being on the X, whether it's cancer, whether it's a business ambush, whether it's a uh, personal relationship ambush, being on the X is like being on quicksand. The longer you sit, the harder it is to get up and get that momentum. So that's right. So great. Um, your family is such a strength for you. And, uh, and I think that really came to laser focus with uh, the cancer diagnosis and everything. I mean, I think it was already there, but that was your thought. Um, you have made that a focal point of your life, your family and being around your family. I even read about a period of time where you guys um, got to do things that not the average people do, you know, on your boat, being with your family. But the, the key takeaway that I got from it, one of the things I read about was how you guys got to eat together all the time. And it just showed the strength and power of family. 
talk a little bit about that in this day and age where we're, we're, God, we're going in 10,000 different directions at once. We're inundated with information. My, my middle celebrated her 18th birthday and, uh, and it was funny because, you know, she's got a busy life and she was like, well, dad, I want to do this and I want to do that and I want to do this. And I was like, well, when do we get to celebrate with you? Right. So it's pinning down that time with family. Talk to me about the importance of family um, and how critical it is, especially somebody like you. You're super busy. You're doing all kinds of things. But why is it so critically important? So. All right. So I'm 50 years old. I have the cancer. I get it all treated. And then I realize two things. One, this is my greatest earning power years when you're 50 to 60 or so. You've got a lot of history. I have a lot of momentum. This is the time to go out and kill it in the business. Or I've got cancer. I've just, I've just taken care of it, hopefully. Right. And this is the greatest time today to take advantage of being with my family. So I chose my family over needing to build a bigger business and needing to do those things. A lot of people don't get that opportunity. People have to work nine to five jobs. People can't do those kind of things. And they, they don't have this um, you know, wonderful gift that I had. But I look at it, it's, it's kind of this yin and yang, or not yin and yang, but, but like... Um, What's the right words? Well, there were so many times that I was working till eight o'clock at night and other friends of mine had nine to five jobs and they got to coach their kids soccer and little league and other things. And I didn't do that. And it, it hurt thinking, you know, well, I'm sacrificing for that. Okay. So if I really was sacrificing for my family, these people got to do these things in their lives and I didn't. Well, now's my, all right, here's my, if this was sacrifice, well, why not sacrifice right now? So I quit my job, basically. I sold the company. I bought a, a boat, so to speak, a very large boat. And we took the whole family and went around the world for a year and a half. And we just got to sit and eat every day together. We got to dive every day. I took my dad. We dove all over the world. We got to fish. We got to just sit and do things that I, you don't, it's so rare, right? And I was so lucky. So all of that sacrifice for all those years, I also know a lot of very successful friends that they never did stop. Well, I got a big wake up call with the cancer and I said, this is my time to stop. So I did. And I, and I stopped and, and, and took that time. Well, I, I'm going to fast forward it to today, if you don't mind for a second. Because now we live in this COVID world where, you know, everything is different and changed. Well, we're about to move into another house. We're in a rental house waiting for our house to be completed. I've got kids that are going to go off and live in this house. I've got another kid that just broke up with his girlfriend. I said, I came and I said, hey, guys, when in the world are we ever going to be in a place where we all are in this weird transition? Why don't we live together for the next three months? Because right now, literally this weekend, we were moving. But I said, we've got all this time. You can work from home. You can do all this stuff. So we all came together. And I've got five of my six kids. My oldest, which is my daughter, who's you know 42 years old. She's got her kids. And she, you know she can't 
bring them in. But we've got all five kids living together until this week. And then I took my dad and I said, hey, my dad and I, it's our turn to make dinner. So what are we going to make? So we made goulash, which was his mother's favorite recipe. Then my two boys got together and it was their turn and they made their favorite recipe. And then it was my wife and my other son. And last night was my two young girls, the 12 year old and the 15 year old who made their favorite dish. We all get to sit around. It doesn't happen that often. You know, I mean, these are from 12 to 28 years old and kid length. My dad, you know, and it's wonderful. So I know COVID's been horrible on a lot of people in and the, you know, the things that happen have been bad, but there's also a ton of good things that can come out of the ability to have, you know, this family time, this dynamic. We won't get this back where we're this close. You know, things are going to change. People go off, they get married, they leave, things happen. And so I think it's important. I'm sorry to ramble, but to, to sum it up is, is that we need to stop when you are right now and go, will I ever have an opportunity like this again? Back to your point about, always planning. Well, tomorrow, uh, no, forget about tomorrow. Right now, what can you do? Because it, you know, the world will change to, in, within an instant. It's going to. And so we took advantage of that. And it's been the most amazing, wonderful last couple months I've ever had in my life. That's awesome. Yeah. I call that social leadership. It is investing in the rings of influence around you and the most important rings being your friends and family that in the hardest moments of our lives, when the life ambush has come, the business, uh, th- those outer rings, the business rings, they go away. Not not because they don't like you, but because they're doing their own thing. And, and it's only those innermost rings. And that's why it's so critical. I, I love this. And this is such a powerful message, guys. If you're running along and your focus is on your business and you're just like, oh, I'm just going to I'm almost to where I want to be. So I'm going to sacrifice, you know, the time with my family Take take some time and invest in your family now. You never know what tomorrow is going to bring. You never know what life ambushes on the horizon. You know, Glenn's living proof. I'm living proof. I, I know that. Uh, I don't know if you've ever read it. Read what um, read what Steve Jobs wrote about at the end of his life. How he wished he had gone back and invested more in the relationships around him. You know, I mean, he built you know one of the most powerful companies in the world, and I think he'd give it all back if he could. Uh, you know, if he was still here. So, all right, let's uh, let let's shift. We're running up to the end, but let's shift. Let's talk about Undercover Billionaire, an amazing show. What you did is such a great. I mean, the show itself is built around this rags to riches idea that we take this little bit, we go to this unknown location. You guys picked Erie, Pennsylvania, hundred bucks and a cell phone, and you created a business. And now you've really got some strong ties to that community uh, with what you did. Tell me about that and tell me about a, what created the idea and, and how all that came to be. Yeah. So I, um, I was working 15, 16 years ago and someone that had worked for me tried out for a reality show and told the producers, oh, my boss and his wife would make great contestants on this show. It's called the Gilligan's Island, real Gilligan's Island. And long story short is they called me on my cell phone and said, we'd like to talk to you. And we ended up doing the show and I won the whole thing, which was interesting. And, 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 uh, and um, so for years I had producers calling me, hey, do you want to do another show? We, we, you know, you guys would, you know, all this. And I would always say, no, I'm a, 
business guy, you know, I've got to work. And, and um, I said, but you know, I tell you one show I would do, you can drop me off anywhere in the world, give me a hundred bucks or give me, you know, take away my money, my contacts, my name. And I bet I could redo it again, you know, and I'd always say that, throw it out there. And then um, discovery came along. And, and when I said, I'm not interested in this show, but I said, I tell you what I would do. And they turned around and said, okay, put your money where your mouth is and let's do that show. And I thought, okay, great. And then, I mean, it was, it was great until I actually did it because you don't think about what it really takes. Again, I go back to, you know, a lot of the, the kind of the thread in my life. And I got, when I got picked up in Miami, we were on our boat and put into a plane and told, I don't know where I'm going and given, you know, a self, a burner phone with no contacts in it, taken away my wallet, giving me a hundred bucks and just said, okay, go make a business. Um, you know, that shock in the beginning of going, well, how, what am I going to do? Where am I going to sleep? You know, it was, was pretty massive. And so by building this uh, relationship in Erie and finding people that I could believe in and then coming up with an idea and then having everybody believe in it, we were able to create a company. We call it, it was called Underdog Barbecue. And um, it, you know, and it was amazing. It worked out better than I ever could have thought. And when I say that, there was more pain, more frustration, more, it was life condensed in 90 days, right? I mean, except you have, you know, 10 cameras watching you. And in the middle, there's a few times in the show where I see myself staring off because I, and I know exactly what I was thinking. The whole world is watching me right now and they're going to watch me fail. And it's going to prove that I was luck that this, you know, and, and, I'm, and, and that's the demons telling me, you know, yeah, but I'm going, I am not going to pull out of this one. And that's what I've loved about life is I have been in some deep holes, deep, deep holes that I said, I won't, I, there's no way I can get myself out of this one. And I've gotten myself out of every single one of them. And, and, you know, and you don't know how, but when you look back, you go, man, I'm pretty proud of getting out of that one. Well, during that show, there was a few moments, many, many moments where I thought I've overdid it this time. And now the whole world's going to see it. Like, why would I do this? This was crazy. What was I thinking? And I'm really proud of the outcome, you know, because that's how life is anyway. And um, so we went off and did it. And it was a wonderful, wonderful experience. They're going to have um, uh, three more um, crazy entrepreneurs that go off and try to see if they can make it. Uh, that's January 6th. And then I go back to Erie and I pick some businesses that have been hurt by COVID and try to give them some insight on how they can um, rethink the way they do business life and um, see if they can pull themselves out of their own holes. So it's a, and that's called um, Undercover Billionaire. Um, Comebacks, comeback city, comeback city, undercover billionaire, comeback city. We were calling it Erie Rising, but we changed it to comeback city. All right, so January six for any of you, check it out on Discovery, or you can check it out on Discovery Plus. Undercover billionaire season two coming on strong, and it is, it, it, hey, you know, 
you can do it. All of you out there, one of the biggest things I love telling people, it is never too late. It's never too late to reinvent yourself. It's never too late to change and find a different path or get lost as, uh, as you know, Glenn and I were talking about earlier. Okay. The last thing I want to talk about, and we're going to wrap things up. You know, you, you've, you, you, the most successful people I know always give back. And we always, we already talked about the Horatio Alger Association. Uh, you were involved with Virgin Unite that made a lot of sense and giving back to these organizations. But there's one, I, I'm curious, it's the Starkey Hearing Foundation. Often, uh, there is a personal connection to the reasons why people get involved in nonprofits and why they want to give back to certain organizations. Obviously, Horatio Algers and Virgin Unite, uh, you want to help individuals somewhat from the past. You came from entrepreneurs. Do you have a connection with someone that has lost their hearing that ignited you to go down that road? Or did you just find out about the Starkey Hearing Foundation? Well, um, Bill and Tani Austin are the ones that created the Starkey Hearing Foundation, and they came from Horatio Alger. And so we got to know them and they said, come out for a mission. So we went out, just flew down to uh, Mexico and were there and just, it was life-changing to watch somebody that had never had heard before put this hearing aid in their ear and all of a sudden their eyes light up, tears run down their face. They hear their little you know, girl or boy for the first time. And it just changed our lives. You know, it was amazing to be a part of that and witness these little miracles over and over again, because there would be hundreds of people lined up that were there for a hearing aid because they were too poor to, you know, to ever get one. And so, you know, they were, they're dear friends and they, um, you know, had asked just for us to go down and see what it was about. And, and we were hooked from then on. That's awesome. It's so neat to see that firsthand impact of things you're doing like that. Um, very cool. Well, thank you for giving back. The last question I have, I ask every guest on the show, if one word, if, if, if Glenn Stearns could be summarized in one word, what would that word be? You know, I mean, actually, I, I already said it a little while ago, but I'll say it from me too. It was resilience, right? It's being able to bounce back. It's being it able to get thick skin. It's all about, you know, toughening up and realizing that life is not easy. It's not easy. And it's just about being able to tough your way through it sometimes. Man, so true. That's everything I speak on, guys. I would not be here if it wasn't for that, that, you know, I call it the overcome mindset. There are so many different words. But guys, this has been Moving the Needle with Jason Redmond, our amazing guest today, Glenn Stearns, you can find Glenn. Uh, you can find Glenn at Glenn Stearns. You can find Glenn. He's with. Uh, he he already has started another company, Kind Lending, giving back, helping people to get out there and uh, and own their own uh, properties. Correct. Kind Lending right. is focused on that. Yeah. No. Kind Lending. We're um, residential lender again. We've gone out. Um, the name was picked on, definitely on purpose. Um, you know, I think the world could use a little more kindness and, and we're getting there. You know, that movement is happening. And, and so we're proud to be a part of it. And, um, you know, it's been great. But, yeah, you can find me on any of the Glenn Stearns at, you know, Instagram or Facebook or uh, whatever the other social media platforms are out there. Yeah. So check Glenn out. Check him out on his website. Most importantly, January 6th, Undercover Billionaire Season 2, Comeback City. It's, stream, it's on Discovery and streaming on Discovery Plus. Glenn, 
Thank you so much for coming on, shedding some amazing advice and insight on how you've moved the needle in your life. This has been Jason Redman. We're going to jump into the after action. We're going to peel back the onion. So many amazing nuggets. Glenn really is a shining example of anyone out there, guys. If you're listening, it's never too late. It's never too late to invest back in your family. It's never too late to invest back in yourself. This life is short. It can be gone in the blink of an eye. Don't keep telling yourself there's tomorrow to do something because it may never come. Today's the day. Start now. You can make a difference just like Glenn has. So, Glenn, thank you so much for coming on the Moving the Needle show. And, uh, guys, I will see you in the after action. All right, guys, welcome back to Moving the Needle with Jason Redman with our amazing guest, Glenn Stearns, the host of Undercover Billionaire and a uber successful individual, just someone that has been out there. He has done it um, with Kind Lending and, and so many other businesses that he has built millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars of success. And, uh, and he's giving back. And this amazing show, Undercover Billionaire, is incredible. Guys, if you have not watched it yet, the new, ep- the new uh, series releases on January 6th on Discover and Discovery Plus. You need to check it out. So getting back into the interview, there were so many nuggets. When, we, when I went through part two, guys, there's so much there. Uh, I, I'm going to summarize some of this, and then I want to get into some of the meat. Um, Glenn said the single greatest trait he has for, as an entrepreneur and as a businessman is resilience. Guys, I think this is the single greatest trait we have in life. So many people ask me, Jay, how, have you, how are you successful? And, and success is defined by so many things. Uh, in this day and age in America, sometimes we want to confuse money with success. And, and I've achieved a level of success in that area. I'm not a multi-multi-millionaire. Uh, I'm not even a millionaire yet. But I, I'm striving for it. It's one of my goals. But the bottom line, I define success and continuing to grind forward. I define success as being knocked down and getting back up. I define success as, you know, trying to have good relationships with people. And, and, and you know, I've created businesses. I've written books. But the number one thing that I have built, guys, is a relentless overcome mindset. I don't care what happens in my life. I'm going to keep grinding. I know what my mission is. I know what I stand for. I know what my values are. And it doesn't matter who knocks me down. It doesn't matter who attacks me. It doesn't matter what comes my way. I'm going to keep grinding. And Glenn summarized this beautifully. He said, guys, there is always pain. It's just part of the process. This part of being human. I don't know where people get off thinking, oh man, this should be easy. You know, my journey to be an entrepreneur, my journey to be a successful businessman, my journey to have a great relationship with my spouse and kids, my, my journey for whatever it is, my physical journey to take better care of myself, you know, that it should be easy. It isn't easy. It's going to be hard. You know, 2020 has been such a shit show, but guess what? Congratulations. There's always pain. It's just part of the process. 2020 is part of the process. And one of the greatest things about it is it built a better overcome mindset. If you embraced it, if you drove forward, if you got up, if you look for new ways to build your business, or maybe you had to totally pivot and create a new business. If you did anything but just lay down on the X and feel sorry for yourself, congrats. You are building that overcome mindset. You are building that resilience. One of the other great things that Glenn talked about, he said, you know, the minute we think we are better than anyone else, that's a bad place to be. And I talk about this, guys. I talk about my arrogance 
as a young leader was my, my downfall. That's how it led to my leadership failure. I thought I was so much better than everybody else. I thought that all my past successes would carry me, uh, that I didn't need to listen to others that, you know, uh, some of the personality conflicts I had with my senior enlisted senior chief, you know, we just butted heads. And the reality is I look back on it now, the guy had a lot of good experience. I mean, we might not have done things the same way, but I let my ego get in the way of listening. So be humble. Your journey as a leader is never ending. Never think that you are better than anyone else. Everyone has something to offer. I don't care who it is on your team. Look for their strengths. That's going to, what's going to make you better. All right. So those were some of the first nuggets. I want to get into Glenn talking about cancer and his family, because this is what's critical. All of us out there as, as needle movers, we're looking to move the needle in our life. We want to be better in business. We want to be better physically. We want to be better human beings. But guys, at the end of your life, it all comes back to those relationships. I'm telling you, when Glenn was told, hey, you've got cancer and, and you know, it's bad. You're like, you may, not, you may not make it. He said, the only thing I thought about was my kids. And guys, I can so relate to this because when I was shot and I was dying there on the battlefield, I did not think about, um, you know, right there at the very end, I didn't think about any more tactics. I didn't think about, I wish we had done more training. I didn't think about anything. I thought about my, my kids and my family. I didn't think about any of the things we had. I didn't think about how much money was in my bank account. I didn't think about, you know, my truck or motorcycle, any of these things that I really liked. Um, because you know, none of these things we accumulate in life, they don't matter in the end. And it was a wonderful moment of clarity for Glenn and for myself on what's important in your life. So guys, just recognize that when we're running down this road of trying to achieve success in our business, there is a balance. Make sure I talk about social leadership, make sure you are investing in your most important teams. Um, we need to put time and effort into our business. We need to put time and effort into our business relationships, but don't do it at the sacrifice of your most important teams. I will tell you what, when the life ambush, when the major life ambush has come along, if you get cancer, if you have a health scare, uh, if, if something horrific happens in your life, we just have a, fr a friend that, that God forbid on Christmas day, they were hit by a, uh, by a drunk driver and it killed her husband on Christmas day. That is a major life ambush. And, and for all the successes we have in life, if you're not investing in those most critical teams, in those most important people in your life, then, then you're going to be off balance. And when these things happen, you're going to need those people around you. And, and Glenn had achieved a pretty high level of success. So I'll say this, you don't need a yacht and to travel around the world to invest in your teams. It just takes a little bit of effort. You know, you, you, we can't make more time. So guys, take those vacations, go out, get lost, do something great. You know, go, go take your kids to the movie, take them out, have a date night with your spouse, have dinner with your friends, call your loved ones, live for the now, build for the future, but live for the now. The future may never come. Build that balance in your life in all aspects. I talk about it in the Pentagon of Peak Performance you know, in my book, Overcome, physical leadership, mental leadership, emotional leadership, social leadership, and spiritual leadership. Have that balance. I guarantee it'll make a difference. All right, guys. So here's, a, here's an interesting fact. I quoted and talked about Steve Jobs talking about at the end of his life. <laughs> so in this crazy day and age of all the 
crazy accusations of fake news. Uh, I've got to admit, I went and researched. I actually was going to read that essay to what what Steve Jobs, I thought Steve Jobs said. And the reality is, it's fake news. It's fake news. And uh, that was funny. It was an eye opener to me because I'm pretty good about sniffing out things that are fake. Um, oftentimes, I've got friends both on the far right and the far left, and they send me all kinds of things related to you know anything and everything you see out there from you know, Russian collusion to, you know, uh, you know, everything. And, uh, and I frequently, the articles they send me that try and substantiate these things. One of the first things I do, I go look on Snope.com and I look on other sites to verify. And I didn't do that with the Steve Jobs essay. I accepted it as fact. I've been quoting that, uh, story for many years and the reality it is fake. So there you go. I will say this. I did find that Steve's biographer did know that uh, Steve regretted in the end not spending more time with his kids. But there's a pretty eloquent, eloquent uh, essay that, you know, is credited to Steve Jobs at the end of his life. And it just is not true. So the bottom line is this. Even without that, Steve talked about he regretted in the end spending not spending more time with his kids. Family's critical, guys. Success can be success is great. Financial success you know, fame, power, whatever you're looking for. But at the end of the day, if you don't have anybody to share it with in the end, if you don't have people you can lean on when those life ambushers are coming, none of it matters. All right. To close, Glenn's word was resilience. I love this, man. It is what I stand for. My word is overcome. His is resilience. But the bottom line is this. Life is not easy. It is about toughing through it. So guys, congratulations. You have made it through 2020. We're on to 2021, but I got, I got bad news. 2021 may be worse than 2020. Oh, did I just say that? You guys are hating me. But here's the difference. You have an overcome mindset. You have resilience. You have tools to get you off the X. Don't focus on the negativity. Focus on the positivity. Spread love to others around you. They're going to spread it back to you and you just drive forward. We control what we can. We embrace the journey. We live for the now and we shape our future. That's the bottom line. So, so what? What's coming? If you know your mission, if you know your values, if you know your destination, if you set that course and guess what? You're the point man for your life. And it doesn't matter what happens. You know where you are. You're the light in the darkness. You drive forward. All right, guys. So this has been amazing. I want to give a huge thanks to Glenn Stearns. What a great, great interview. If you guys want to learn more about Glenn, go to his website, glennsterns.com. That's G-L-E-N-N-S-T-E-A-R-N-S.com. Host of Undercover Billionaire, Comeback City releases on January 6th on Discovery and Discovery Plus. You guys check it out. It's a pretty cool show. They drop him off in the middle of nowhere with like 100 bucks and a cell phone with no numbers in it. And he's got to build a business to uh, over a million dollars. And uh, and he did it the first time. And he's like, I don't know if, you know, he, he, he expressed to me, he's like, man, it's really hard. It's scary. But he loves it. He embraced the journey. That's what it's about in life. Life is about action. Get off that X, execute. Big shout out to Bubs Naturals, our Moving the Needle sponsor. I uh, really appreciate Bubs. Go to bubsnaturals.com. If you guys are looking for their products, they produce some of the best collagen protein out there and some other amazing products to take care of your health. If you are enjoying the Moving the Needle show, guys, we need subscribers. I mean, there's so many podcasts out there, but if you like this one, please subscribe. Those subscribers and you guys giving us those five-star reviews, they basically drive uh, more people coming and listening to the show. They also enable our sponsors to say, hey, this is a great investment. 
So if you love the show, please go to iTunes, click on that little subscribe button, say, I want to know when when Moving the Needle comes out, share it with your friends, write a five-star review why you like the show, and, uh, and that'll help us keep putting these episodes out there. Thanks for listening to Moving the Needle on the Ironclad Content Network. You can follow me on Instagram at Jason Redmond, WW. I will see you next time. I'm out.